Hello everyone, this is Trevor with Tea Time Reports here, and I'm doing a nice little solo review on a film called Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Uh, this is a this is a you know personal favorite of mine. Um, an old friend of mine showed me this movie a long time ago, and it, it's always kind of you know been around for me. You know what I'm saying? Like it's very entertaining, has a lot of rewatch value. Um, really good action, really good performances, acting uh, wise by all the um, performers. But the main thing I like about this movie is its originality. It's very creative, very cool kind of a weird twist on a rom-com, but it's also kind of serious, but it has really funny, you know, underlying moments that kind of pull it all together and make it, you know, have a really good pace and a good tempo throughout the entire movie. It's a good vibe, kind of corny, um, you know, a, a little a little cheesy here and there, but it's Michael Cera. Um, but let me go into a little bit of uh, information on this film so that you guys and gals out there have some context. What to know here? As 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 uh, eh, oh my god, my words just you know fumbled there. <laughs> um, but um, as bass guitarist for a garage rock band, Scott Pilgrim, aka Michael Sarah, has never had trouble getting a girlfriend. Usually, the problem is getting rid of them. But when Ramona Flowers, aka Mary Elizabeth Weinstead, skates into his heart, he finds. She is. She has the most troublesome baggage of all, an army of ex-boyfriends who will stop at nothing to eliminate him from her list of suitors. Um, so it's one of those, you know, it's kind of, you know, like I said, it's a rom-com, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, you know, chasing love type shit. Um, but this movie is rated PG-13, genre, romance, comedy, and action. Um, the director is Edgar Wright, one of my favorite directors um, in the modern age as well. He's done really good movies like Baby Driver um, and Drive, stuff like that. Produced by Mark Platt, Eric Gitter, Naira Park, and Edgar Wright himself. Written by Michael Bacall and Edgar Wright. Release date was August 13th, 2010, worldwide. The release date for streaming platforms was November 9th, 2010. Box office gross in the U.S. was $32.8 million. The runtime was a little under two hours. The distributor was Universal Pictures, and the production company was Mark Platt Productions and Big Talk. Um, and then the sound mix was done by SDDS, DTS, and Dolby Digital. This all this information is uh, brought to you guys, and you know, helpful um, to know that Rotten Tomatoes is out there. If you're ever interested in knowing information on a movie you're into or a TV show, um, you know anything, they have all these kind of facts and. You know, dates, you know, gross, and uh, ratings as well. Before I get into the individual performances, I'd like to just uh, say the um, overall rating via tomato, uh, Rotten Tomatoes. The tomato meter is 82% certified fresh, and the audience gave this movie an 84%. That's with 100,000 ratings for the audience and 273 for the tomato meter. Um, but going into the performances of, of this film... Um, Really liked Michael Sarah as Scott Pilgrim. Michael Sarah is really funny, um, unintentionally most of the time, but he's very quirky. He's very nerdy. He fits this role well, and um, you know he is the main character, but like he really isn't, you know, like what makes this movie good, in my opinion. He carries his weight for sure, but um, 
in, in my personal opinion, I feel like anyone could have played his part that looks like him. But um, Michael Sarah always adds an element of what he can bring um, to his performance. And then Mary Elizabeth Weinstead, a.k.a. Ramona Flowers, that's her character. You guys may know this uh, this this woman, uh, a.k.a. actress from um, Ned's The Classified School Survival Guide. She was the Ned's crush. She's really awesome in this movie, really funny, edgy, cool, I guess you can say. Has a cool look to her. Um, and then, obviously, I'm going to kind of skip over... Some of these um, performances, but um, Kieran Culkin, aka Wallace Wells, is really fucking funny. Um, Wallace Wells was the character. He's a he's pretty much Michael Sarah's roommate, and he's just he's always funny. You just look out for him. Um, and then Chris Evans has a cameo in this. Not really a cameo, but a small part. He is the reason I love this movie. I love his part. He kind of just reminds me of the Not Another Teen movie. Uh, performance that he did as Jake Weiler, but in this he's Lucas Lee. But <laughs> no, shout out to Chris Evans for sure for this film, uh, just being a part of it. You know, I love to see it. Um, Brie Larson and Anna Kendrick is are in this movie. You know, both really funny and you know, genuinely just always they bring that umph to the movie in a sense. You know, they're very sharp looking, and uh, you know. I, not very memorable, but you know what? It's Brie Larson, I guess. She's kind of bad in this in this film. Um, uh, Aubrey Plaza is in this as Julia uh, Powers, uh, who's pretty cool. I like her. She's really funny. Um, another guy, Jason Schwartzman, plays uh, Gideon Graves. Thought that was pretty cool. Um, who's pretty much like the boss. And this whole movie is kind of orchestrated like an arcade game, and you guys will see that. The visuals are really cool in this film as well. The CGI is really nicely used, as well as just the straight-up choreography for the action scenes I thought was really well done. But shout-out shout out to also Johnny Simmons, plays Neil. Uh, I love Johnny Simmons. He's been in so much... Um, not, not as a big name, but you know so many projects that I've come to enjoy. Um, but yeah, no, Bruce... Uh, I almost, almost just said Bruce Lee, but Lucas Lee, played by Chris Evans, is my favorite character and the fav- my favorite performance of the movie. But um, like I was talking to you guys about, he Michael Sarah's character has to like go through levels of boyfriends to be able to quote unquote steal this girl's heart, and um, it's really cool how they they show it and are able to put it to the screen and visually give us this really cool. Again, kind of a video game simulated experience where it's like this guy really likes this girl. He wants to win her over and prove that he can be the man for her in a sense. Um, so he has to go and take down some fucking bosses every level. And there's always some uniqueness or theme to each boss. And AKA each boss, which I'm referring to, is an ex-boyfriend of... Um, fuck, what was her name? Excuse me, excuse me, I'm slacking today. Um, so yeah, like the ex-boyfriends of... Let me just get to her character. Ramona Flowers, and I believe she has six or eight. And then the final level is um, Gideon Graves, who... It's just really cool to see not just like... 
the 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 theme and the, like the whole video game aspect of having to beat the boss to to triumph the level or complete the level um but how each boyfriend has like a different like again whole character to him you know what i'm saying like if they have to skate they have to skate if they have to fucking sword fight if they have to dance if they have to have a rock off, like a rock band off you know, shit like that. It's just really cool, really creative and original. And you just, you don't see that, you know. And I can get behind a movie like that. I really can. Because not only do you get to see kind of brand new characters, but you get to see really, really cool writing. You know, like quirky, funny jokes that you typically wouldn't see in other movies. You get to see just overall different stuff. And when it comes down to the action, it's definitely really awesome. And I really recommend, if you've not seen this movie, to check it out. And uh, make sure everyone out there is definitely following us on Instagram and Twitter at Tea Time Reports. We're also on Threads, and our TikTok should be up hopefully very soon, in the next day or so. Um, and then YouTube will be coming shortly as well. So we're growing. This podcast is growing. And uh, I'll say this just just a little a little interval here before we get back to Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Every time I, you know, sit down in my chair here, pop open my laptop and, you know, plug the mic in and pull it forward, you know, closer to me where I'm going to be sitting and, you know, get my beverage ready and my notebook ready. It's it's one of my favorite things to do. Like, it really is. I, I take pride in this and I try and, you know, facilitate and manage this show as much as I can, as, as well as allowing as much creative, free, um, creative thinking and, and, and freedom to all the homies and to my brothers so that they can bring what they want to bring on the show as well, but also keeping it a show, you know what I'm saying? Not letting it get too chaotic, but I just really wanted to say that real fast and uh, make sure everyone that's listening now checks out those accounts and gives us a little support by giving us a follow or a, or a download or, you know, just anything like that. It's greatly appreciated and we're growing in viewership and it's, it's noticeable, it's being seen, you know, and we really thank everyone out there for that in general. But going back to Scott Pilgrim versus the world, like I said, the, the cinematography, the animations, the pacing overall of the movie, you don't get bored. Um, there's not really a slow part. It's always either funny or very active. Um, and it's kind of a full circle type of movie. A little trippy here and there. Um, but you also get really awesome like cameo type performances out of uh, Chris Evans and stuff like that. So like... There's all, like, pretty much anything you want. If you've not seen this movie, like, and you're going to go into this for the first time, I envy you because I really wish that I could do that again myself because this movie is very unforgettable but also has a ton of rewatch value. You know, after, you know, four or five months, pop that shit back on again. It's really funny. It's, you know, Chris Evans makes the movie, in my opinion. He just plays that douchebag very well. Um, but again, you just got to take it for what it is with a grain of salt and... You know, realize that movies like this aren't made anymore. And that's why we should value them now. You know, creative, original thoughts and ideas. And you know what? I'll take that back because you see it from some directors like Edgar Wright, like Christopher Nolan, like Quentin Tarantino, like um, David Fincher. Like a lot of those really good directors still make and are very consistent with their quality of film. But in overall, like, society terms, we don't see this original, like, kind of like, creation anymore, we, we don't, with anything, um, you know, you can see, you know, flashes of it, and uniqueness, but, you know, that, the whole originality 
aspect to things is gone. It's not making companies enough money. It's not drawing enough people in. And when it comes to film, when that becomes the recipe to success, it's terrible for art in general. And I really hope that, you know, if you are able to watch this, it's not going to be a Marvel movie. It's not going to have fucking 80 different storylines and five villains. You know, it's going to be a consistent storyline, you know. And, and that's what I feel like has gotten a little lost is the fact that we're going into these movies expecting a second or expecting some CGI fuckfest that blows our brains away. No. What happened to a good story that could just be a good story? I don't know, man. Maybe I'm a little old-fashioned, but I just think that uh, some things, you know, when it, especially when it comes to art, you know, you shouldn't always have, like, a fine process to making it. You know, let it flow. Let it kind of unravel and create itself. Those moments will come. I mean, you know, when, I, when I think of raw creation, I think of when Heath Ledger pulled Christian Bale aside during the production of The Dark Knight and said, hey, in this interrogation scene, don't pull your punches. I want you to throw me against the glass, beat my fucking face in because it's real. It's real. And Christian Bale, you know, being the actor he is, and he even talked about this in interviews, like, you know, I didn't want to, but for the sake of the, the project, for the sake of the art, in a sense... I wasn't going to say no to him because he was in a groove. He was in a rhythm. And Edgar Wright always seems to find that rhythm within his films because Baby Driver is really good. I really like that movie. Um, and this is also really good. And, you know, Edgar Wright does really well with the creative plot building. Like, in my opinion, he does really well with characterization, but he makes the story interesting by adding on interesting layers and really cool curveballs and twists. Um, that you just wouldn't really expect or you really wanted, but just didn't think that a director would do it for the audience's sake. Um, but Edgar Wright just does not, like, for a comedy, this is not, like, this isn't making you seem like you're a fucking idiot. Like, it's not watching, like, a Mamma, a Mamma Mia movie or some shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're actually, you know, like, okay, you are a human being with a brain. Use it. And actually have a fun time with this movie. And, and I think that's honestly the best compliment a movie can have, in my personal opinion. I get it. You know, you want to throw on a movie that doesn't really warrant much attention or need much attention for you to be able to understand it. Because, you know, you're chilling, you're playing some Pong, you're doing some fucking homework, you're, you know, you just got off your shift and you're just chilling. But movies that do that really aren't stimulating any, like anything good in your brain you're not you're not learning anything you're watching something that has no substance it is just full of nothingness and movies like that to me are not really movies they're just a bunch of compilations with a bunch of pictures and people running around saying things film is it, it's a perfectly orchestrated series of events that is told in a way that is not only understandable but is presentable to a large audience that are from different backgrounds and cultures so that you can connect and be able to relate to certain characters, events, stories, as well as settings, utilizing not only just CGI properly, but not using it overtly. 
I mean, there's so much that goes into what makes a good film work. And in my personal opinion, this is one of them. You know, and especially for like a 2010 comedy, it's definitely ahead of its time in my personal opinion. This is definitely more of like the drops of influence in what you get now, in, in, in comedies now, and in, in romantic comedies now. But for when it was released, and in my opinion, even when I watch it today, it still has that sense of originality. That sense of creativeness that, oh, this really hasn't been done before. They're tapping into something here that's pretty damn cool. And that, in my opinion, anyone that's watching can fucking tune into and enjoy. Um, and, and, you know, me personally, I gotta give this movie, out of ten, I would give it an eight and a half. The only reason why it's not like a nine or a ten is it's because it is a little cheesy, it is a little corny. It does have those moments where it's like, oh, Michael Sarah is really, you know, trying, he's testing out his range here, and he shouldn't be, you know. But, um... No, in general, though, I would give it an 8.5, and, and I think, you know, that's pretty much aligns with the audience score um, on RottenTomatoes.com, and I, I think that's a testament, because I really trust audience scores more than I trust actual critical review, like, scores, like, on IMDb or Rotten Tomatoes or anything like that, because, like, these are just, they're like 400 people, you know? I would rather see a sample size of 100,000 ratings from people just like me going to watch a movie in a theater... And they give their honest opinion about it. Oh, it was okay, you know. It was, uh, you know, and you can honestly gauge how good a movie is by on by like kind of testing it on people that don't watch movies that much, because they're gonna have like an unbiased kind of like a, a fresher opinion on it, if you will, that is more neutral based. So that's just also something to think about, and that's also why I love doing these movie reviews, and it's also why I love showing movies to people I love and my friends because I love seeing their reactions. I love knowing, like, oh, this is such a good movie, I want to go show this to people that, you know, I actually want to see their opinion and reaction to, I'm not going to show them dog shit, I'm going to show them something really good, and seeing what they, like, take from it, what they are able to absorb from it, and I always think that's really interesting, I, I always have, um, and then especially someone being into movies like I am, and I really love film, and I've seen so many, I think that this is definitely probably in my top 25, top 30 movies of all time because of just, again, the originality of it, you know, the actual, you know, the overall plot line and the writing being so fucking fresh. And even still to this day, it's fresh and it's 13 years old now, you know, it's crazy that, you know, movies are honestly time capsules for how society was back then, where jokes and humor were, where you know, trends were at that specific time, and I, I love that aspect about it, because same can be said for music, but music is also a layer to mu uh, to movies, and uh, another, th another thing I didn't talk about was the soundtrack of this movie being very underrated, very slept on, and I enjoyed it, and I thought that it was something that I could take away from the movie that I actually think that was maybe an outlier that was very fucking good, and that's what made the movie even better. I mean, take away the music from a movie, and any movie, it's going to be worse, way worse. So just something to think about in general. But um, yeah, I'm just trying to think if there's anything else to touch up on this movie. I mean, other than just my 8.5 rating, I talked about the information, the uh, the facts, some of the, uh, the, the numbers, if you will. Um, but no, overall, again, uh, this is a very watchable movie and a rewatchable movie. And 
Um, definitely something to watch with your significant other more than anything. But if you want to watch this with your kids that are, you know, at that preteen age, then by all means, this is definitely a movie that you could sit down and enjoy with the fam. It's got those laughable moments. It's got those corny moments where your little, you know, your your little sibling or something might just be laughing his ass off or her ass off. But uh, definitely something to check out if you haven't already. But uh, this was Scott. This was my Scott Pilgrim versus the World review and. Um, definitely a very, very well put together film with really good writing, very good cinematography as well as CGI usage, and just that creative aspect, the, the comic book slash superhero slash arcade game vibe. The pacing was very, very well, you know, kept up and I didn't feel bored and never felt dragged out. It was a perfect amount of time. Um, and I, I got exactly what I wanted out of this movie when you, when you click start and you expect uh, what you expect from it, and you get it. And that's why I think this is definitely something you should watch. I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't say it otherwise, obviously. But yeah, this is, uh, this is Trevor, and I really appreciate everyone for tuning in today. And make sure you guys download and follow the show on whatever platform you're tuning into from. And uh, anyone out there across the pond in a different state, uh, in a different city, we uh, really appreciate your support at Tea Time Reports. This is Trevor. Take care.